Welcome to the Bella Sad Bellum Podcast, the podcast for military-connected women, bringing messages of encouragement, humor, and practical how-to on topics that impact their lives most, equipping them to lead in the service and in the home with grace and wisdom. We care deeply about sharing accurate, timely, and relevant information with our listeners, but neither we nor our guests have a monopoly on truth and everyone's military experience is unique. The views expressed in any of our content, written or audio, do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, policy, or view. Hey y'all, this is Bella's Had Bellum Podcast. I'm Bernadette. And I'm Julie. Uh, today, we're going to share some book recommendations. We're going to do uh, kind of a summer reading list. Uh, I can't believe and, it's summer. Well, it feels like summer has sort of started two months ago <laughs> with coronavirus. Right. Like the summer so, has started not in a good way because you're out of school and pools are open and it's warm and you can do rafting and camping and all those activities you want to do. But because your kids are not in school, not in if school. you have kids, so it's like summer, but worse. <laughs> However, yes. despite that, uh, we thought we would do a summer reading list so you can put some books on your list. Um, and I think one of the reasons we're going to, I thought maybe we would do this, at least for me, is that um, reading is kind of one of those few things that isn't really impacted by coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I have been doing so much reading lately. Yeah. You know, libraries are closed, of course, but Ugh, that has whatever. been a real drag, though. <laughs> oh, my son was actually talking about that last night. He was pretty upset about dad going to work. Uh, hey, did, where's dad? Well, dad went to work. He can't go to work. The epidemic is out there. <laughs> don't, <laughs> I know. Don't it's worry. Just, it's not going to get him. Uh, but then just, last night, he was saying that he wants new books. And when is the, 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 and he took forever trying to figure out the name of the library because it has been so long since we have been to the library. So, so we thought it was like the bookstore. Yeah, isn't that sad? Yeah. That was a little sad. Anyways, the, the libraries are closed. However, you can still get books through Amazon. You can still get books on your Kindle. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you're not, uh, I'm not trying to sell Amazon here. No, no stock in that company or anything. Uh, those are just the two things that came to mind. You mm-hmm. can still go to Barnes & Noble. Uh, they're doing curbside pickup. I know that. Uh, anyway, different stuff. So so we thought that we would give you, um, as our listeners, just kind of one or two recommendations and a couple of categories to throw on your list if you're listening and you thought like, hey, I'm really bored. What are some good stuff out there? Our categories are going to be uh, leadership, self-improvement, nonfiction slash history kind of. They go together. Uh, and then maybe a fiction or fun category and then the children's books for um, for those either who have kids or are looking for a recommendation for kids. So yep. anyway, we will uh, potentially get into what we're maybe reading now. Julie will probably tell you about what she's reading now. <laughs> but <laughs> And what maybe what we're reading next or what we want to read next in my case. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this episode because I'm an avid reader. Well, I, I think I'm an avid reader. Is there a numerical quantity that qualifies yeah. one for the avid label i don't like i don't know if there's that. a quantity but you're definitely an avid reader i'm an avid <laughs> piler of half started or read books on my bedside table person that counts that counts <laughs> uh yeah i like to think i'm an avid reader but i know that there are people who read more than i do um in fact when i went and set my reading goal for this year which you can do an amazon kindle and goodreads by the way they will track the ebooks that you have read on the Kindle app, and they will automatically check off 
any books that you have read when you finished the book, and they will track your percentage complete towards your goal. Um, and then if you have Kindle and Goodreads, uh, Goodreads will automatically pull your Kindle progress and will automatically update so that you don't have to. Um, and I have not figured out if Goodreads will pull from Barnes & Noble, um, which is the Nook app as well. How do they um, tell? How do they tell that you've finished a book? You have to swipe all the way to the end of the <gasps> book. So it can be like those CBT trainings where you just click, click, yes. click, 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 and you can get credit? 100%. That's cheating. <laughs> sure it is. But if we're going to do reading goals, which is not a thing I've ever set, that might be how I have to get from here to there. How you do. Yeah. Uh, so if you have the Kindle and the Goodreads app, you can set goals in both of those that will automatically track your progress along that goal. And when I did that for this year, and I set my 20 books for 2020, so 20 in 2020, and I set 20 books as my goal for the year, uh, Goodreads actually told me that the average annual goal for other Goodreads users was 50 books. 50 books. And Well, you have to take into account, Jules, that people who are using goal trackers for reading are going to be those who read a lot. So the that average true, the though. average has probably got something to do with the demographic of people who were actually using that app. Whereas people like me would go in there and change the change the average down, and my goal for 2020 would probably sure. be like, I want to actually get through three, book. Oh, three okay. the entire year. Maybe one. One's a good... And two, there's a difference between like setting a goal and achieving a goal. Yeah, I am, I'm like at 45% towards my goal. So I am, wow. I'm doing pretty well. I'm chugging along, but I would not be surprised if there are a lot of people who think, oh yeah, I can do 50. And then come November, they're like, oh, that, no, that wasn't really reasonable. Uh, so I'm really excited about some of my recommendations. That's why I'm really excited about this episode. I've wanted to share some of those recommendations with listeners for a while, but I wasn't really sure how to do that without seeming super nerdy. <laughs> hey guys, I read another book. <laughs> um, so, but even so, this episode topic idea was not my idea. It was actually Bernadette's. So It's true. The thing is, I I love reading and I love reading a, f a physical book. I mentioned, you know, it's one of the few activities that is not necessarily affected by the pandemic, which is really nice. And so you can pick yeah. up a good book and read it kind of any time. Um, and I love reading a physical book, right? I think probably 25 to 50% of our household good weight <laughs> is books and yearbooks. You know, yearbooks are super heavy. Oh, they're super heavy. But we have IT books and we have novels mm, and I true. have books from when I was a child and my kid. Anyway, there's, we have a lot yeah. of books. Mm -hmm. And as much as I don't read as much as I would like to, I just, I really do love the increase in knowledge or creativity or problem solving that comes from soaking up a good book of any kind. So anyway, let's, yeah. uh, let's jump in. So the first category we're going to do is leadership. And that's, it's kind of a broad category. So you can put a lot of different, you can park a lot of different types of books in the leadership bin. Um, but the, the one I'm going to recommend here, uh, and I'm going to, sorry, I got to back up and caveat the books that. I'm going to recommend at least they're not necessarily new books. So they're not like things that have come out in 2019 or 2018 that you should put on mm. your list. Some of mine are going to be older. Anyway, so the, the book I'm going to recommend here is a very easy read. It's called The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. And it's published by Hyperion. And despite the title, this book is not about, you know, 10 tips on how to become the amazing dream manager that everyone wants to work for. It's actually about being the kind of boss or peer or subordinate or really just human uh, who pays attention to and learns about and helps other people reach their dreams. 
And so it uses some illustrative stories that, it, that are mostly fiction kind of right at the front. Yeah. Uh, and it grows very simply beyond that into just expanding on the idea of dreaming. There are many skills that are important as a leader. It's a little bit forgotten, you know, to pay attention to and learn about people's yeah. dreams and help them reach them. Uh, you know, whether it's somebody you're leading as a as a leader or whether it's you're a subordinate and you're paying attention to your your leader's dreams and stuff like that, which is not to say you're yeah. going to help your boss make colonel, uh, you know, in that way. But um, but dreams are just a really powerful motivator. And so it, it's very surprising. And this, like I said, this book is an easy read and it just kind of helps um, retrack on the idea of, you know, what do people dream about beyond the job, beyond the the paycheck yeah, or beyond the hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Like beyond putting a roof over my head and, you know, not getting fired. What is that, that highest level of re of need in Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Like the, the self actualization, the self fulfillment category. Absolutely. And, and for some, for some people, their dreams have to do with putting a roof over their heads or hmm. helping feed their family or different things. And that some, some of those things can just be invisible. It's a great book, and I think it, it qualifies as a leadership read uh, because it has to do with paying attention to and working with people on their dreams allows you to lead uh, in a really neat way. And so uh, anyway, that's my, that's my leadership recommendation. So Jules? Good. I had trouble coming up with a book for this category um, because I don't usually read you know, memoirs of former generals or op-ed pieces from political leaders, or I don't usually read that sort of stuff. And I had trouble with this category. And one of the other reasons that I was excited about this episode was because I do like listening to other people's recommendations. You do tend to have kind of a lens when you select your books. You have things that you're comfortable with, uh, categories that you're used to, things that you don't really consider worth reading. And so when you ask other people what they're reading, a lot of times they can help expand your knowledge of what's out there. Kind of like <laughs> kind of like on Netflix. Mm -hmm. If you stay too long on Netflix, the algorithm will start suggesting like all of the same kind of stuff and it is really hard to train Netflix. Like it's really hard to just see what else is out there. And so every once in a while, like it's good to sit in the office and say, "Hey, you know, what are you watching on Netflix because the algorithm hasn't suggested anything new to me in a while and I really need to see something new." So, I'm excited about this episode from that feature too. Like hey, what is out there that I am not even thinking about? So I might actually go and pick up that book, especially since my leadership books aren't usually, I, I don't usually read as many of those. Like I, I said, easy read. It's like 150 pages. Right. So I haven't read a whole bunch of leadership type books, and I can't necessarily recommend the few that I have read. That's not to say that I don't read books that I think make me a better leader or inform my leadership philosophy. I've been very slowly working on Simon Sinek's Start With Why, but I haven't finished it, so I don't know, I don't know if it'll make a lasting impression. Sure. Um, I read Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I think there's a lot of value in understanding the role of, an, of emotional intelligence in successful leadership, but after I read the book, I kind of felt that emotional intelligence is one of those things that reading a book can't necessarily give you. Like if you had a low emotional intelligence quotient before you read the book, it's not like the book is going to flip some kind of switch and now, oh, you're emotionally intelligent. And this is not specifically a male thing. Uh, even though women like to think that they're generally better with emotions than men are. So the emotional intelligence 2.0 book 
is maybe a good read for awareness if emotional intelligence is something that you value as important in relating to others. But I think the real work of developing emotional intelligence is more successfully accomplished with mentoring or, you know, kind of an OJT thing, something that you learn as you go and you get corrections and somebody who has emotional intelligence comes beside you and says, hey, would it be would have been better if you had said this instead? Or, hey, do you know that people perceive you as blank? Let's help you figure out how to do that better. Uh, I think that's probably a more successful way of tuning your emotional intelligence. But the, that's my pseudo recommendation for the leadership categories, emotional intelligence 2.0. Yeah, so I think that's a good point. So regardless of whether or not that particular book ends up increasing your EI as a leader, I do think, you know, for sure it's a good pick as emotional intelligence is really important for leaders to have. So a good choice. I think it's a good choice. On the self-improvement front, so moving to the next category, the book that I would recommend there is called Crucial Conversations. Oh, um, yeah, I've heard this one. It's uh, it's goody. It's another easy read. You'll notice a theme. Most of mine are easy reads. That's why I get through them. <laughs> um, the whole title uh, is Crucial Conversations, uh, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. And there are four authors on this book, Patterson, Granny, McMillan, and Switzler? Switzler. Anyways, published by McGraw-Hill. We'll put it in the show notes. But the foreword is by Stephen Covey, the Seven Habits Guy. Another great book. Uh, but as the, oh, yeah. as the name implies, this book is about handling hard conversations. If you find yourself struggling in having hard conversations, is, this book can be insightful. Yeah. And the, kind of on the same theme as what Julie said before, you know, no book, you're not going to pick up a book and learn how to do something without some practice. So you're going to have to practice this. But I found this to be insightful and useful for, for putting little morsels in my brain that I then remember mm. later. Uh, and so in this case, a crucial conversation is any dialogue where three things are happening. The stakes are high, opinions vary, and emotions are strong. So maybe Ooh, that would be my discussion last night with my husband about right. our movies quality time. Yeah. And so, I mean, Definitely applies to to spouses or, you know, any relationships, you know, <laughs> giving feedback to a subordinate, discussing a promotion or assignment with your boss, uh, correcting a standards violation in the workplace, you know, on the home front, right? Vacation plans with your parents, uh, finances with a business partner, homework with your child. Anyways, a lot of different things where, again, the stakes are high, the opinions vary and emotions are pretty strong. So covers a lot of scenarios, but... <laughs> Over the course of the dialogue, the you know the premise of a crucial conversation is that biology takes over, and your uh, performance uh -huh. in the conversation ends up getting ugly, whether through silence or violence, is what they say, aggression or shutting down. Uh -huh. I found that you know reading through it, that has been you know knowledge is power, and after reading, I remember some of those those bits and takeaways. Uh, for example, you know I start I, I pay attention or I notice now in conver certain conversations. If people start getting silent or violent now, of course, it's easy to notice the violence piece, but the, the silence <laughs> piece, maybe before is not something I would have necessarily picked up on. Right. And I pay attention more to when when I get heated, am I still making it clear to the other party that I care about their goals and interests in the conversation? Or am I just fired up, wired up and only communicating my own needs? Right. Those are just two little tidbits. There's tons in there. But uh, it's a, it's a useful book. It's a useful tool for helping yourself handle and manage those important conversations where you, you know both parties need to win, or you know, or need to, to come to an agreement to mutual understanding. 
And again, it's a, it's a good, easy read. Everyone has crucial conversations they wish they'd navigate a little bit better. So self-improvement, crucial conversations. Read it. It's a good recommendation. Um, self-improvement category for me is easy, easy one. Malcolm Gladwell. Just about anything by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, Blink is a great one to start with. Mm, Tipping Blink. Point. I actually wrote a Bellis Ed Books book review on Tipping Point. You can find that on our site under the Bellis Ed Books tab. David and Goliath and Outliers are two others that he's written. Outliers is great. Yeah, especially for parents. I think Outliers is a good one for parents. But I just recently finished Talking with Strangers, which is his most recent. I don't think that there has been a single day that I haven't pulled some anecdote from that book and related it to something that we were talking about in my office. For example, there's a bunch of really great material that relates to counter intel and vetting people with clearances. There's a really compelling section about the effects alcohol has on a person's ability to give consent. Mm -hmm. In fact, he quotes at length a researcher who consults for the military, and she talks about how alcohol consumption is uh, more extreme for female pilots in the Air Force because they feel they have to compete with their male counterparts and everything. They have to prove themselves. They have to keep up with the boys. But biologically, women just don't process alcohol the same way men do. Uh, and so she talks about that kind of different standards, different expectation thing. Uh, he does a great chapter on Amanda Knox that dovetails really well with the net Netflix documentary about no Amanda Knox. Um, so it's kind of fun to do those two in tandem. I mean, really, there's so much I come back to in the book. Now, I will say, because um, there are detractors, uh, and so to the detractors, I've heard some of my friends kind of question Gladwell's writing as pseudoscience, written more for an interesting read, but not fully based on, say, the scientific method. Uh, and I can see that to an extent, to kind of weave an interesting story, keep the reader moving forward and engaged some artistic and dramatic flair is definitely added to probably what would otherwise be kind of dull numerical <laughs> reporting. I would not be surprised if he considers or seeks out research that kind of feeds into a storyline um, or research that seems, you know, really striking or compelling and maybe doesn't focus as much on dry or even contradictory research. Um, but I think some of the arguments he makes and the lessons he's trying to teach or the things he's trying to get us to think about are definitely things that we should spend more time thinking about. And if nothing else, thinking about those topics, uh, not just in this book, but in any of his books, is worth the effort. You know, engaging your brain and, and applying some cognitive power. Um, so that's my recommendation in the self-improvement category. Talking with Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, but really any Gladwell book is good for me in that category. Cool. Our next category is history slash nonfiction. Hmm. So I'm excited. I, I do not like history either. I'm not a history person. My my husband will sit and listen to yeah. like a history podcast that is three hours long. What was the one that came on the radio today? It was like the Punic Wars Part Three. Oh my goodness! Like no. I died a little bit right there. So historically, I have I have a hard time with this category. Just kind of in general, I'm not much of a history buff either. But growing our brains with, you know, knowledge about science, art, history, or things that are real, stuff that's really happened, uh, you know, it's a, good, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to do. So I have two recommendations here, but I'll go quickly through both of them. First is a book called Skunk Works by Ben yeah, Rich, uh -huh. and it's published by Back Bay Books. 
This is a highly entertaining, fun read. That's like, I mean, Skunk Works is awesome. It's part autobiography by Ben Rich is the Lockheed uh, Skunk Works insider. He was the director, um, second director after uh, after Kelly. It's his inside story plus tons of anecdotes. You know, they put in there as other voices from other people who were involved in the development of stealth, stealth technology and aircraft and the team that led it all, the geopolitical forces at the time. Uh, and more like it's it's good. I really really like it, and it and it read to me like a novel, huh. you know. It, and he he wrote it, so obviously it's kind of his autobiography. So it's a bit of nonfiction there, uh, you know. But I, you know, perhaps he used some artistic flair. <laughs> it's hard to know, right, with the biography. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, but it was, it was it was fascinating read. So highly recommend that. And then my second nonfiction recommendation is in fact a textbook. But oh my gosh, bear me. with me. Bear with me. It's not that bad. Uh, it's called Development Across the Lifespan by oh. Rob- Robert Feldman. Just wait. Just wait. It's not that bad. Uh, it's published by Pearson. Okay. So I think they're on the eighth or ninth edition now. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's about how people develop across the lifespan. And so if, for any of you parents who might have read or had what to expect when you're expecting and it like breaks down pregnancy month by month in exquisite detail. That's kind of what this excruciating does. Detail. That's kind of what this does, but for the whole life. And it's not excruciating detail. It's at a high level because it's one textbook. Um, sure. And so it starts with infancy and it goes all the way through late adulthood. And it just presents some scientific data about what's going on physically, mm. cognitively, socially, and personality wise at each major stage. And it is so useful to know how the brain, body, and social functions are developing at various, various stages. Like maybe I'm just a nerd in that way, but I refer back to this constantly. Uh, so even hmm. if you don't read the whole thing, get it and keep it as a reference like your dictionary. And so when, hmm. you're, when your preschool neighbor or your angsty teen child or your elderly oh parents are confusing the heck out of you, crack open development across the lifespan and read the relevant chapter because I guarantee you'll walk away with beneficial, useful insight. Okay? Okay. 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 Uh, how did you get turned on to that book? Well, it was part of you were perusing the shelves at Barnes and Noble. No, it was part of my master's program. Oh no! So I I started my master's program in educational psychology, and I had to change. And so this was one of the one of the classes I ended up in was was a developmental psychology. And so this was a phenomenal text. Phenomenal. Okay. This is another super easy category for me: the history slash nonfiction. Even though I don't generally get excited about history, or at least not the way my husband does. Uh, Not to say that I don't appreciate history, but I don't just, I don't fill my library (laughs) with history books. But this is still an easy category for me. Uh, I just finished an entertaining book titled A Woman of No Importance, and it is by Sonia Purnell and is published by Penguin Random House. And it is the story of an American woman named Virginia Hall who wanted to be a diplomat at the State Department in kind of pre-World War II, trans-World War II period. But initially, she was kind of relegated to those typical admin or secretarial functions that are reserved for women. Oh, this is what women do back in pre-World War II. And she was really frustrated about that. She could never break through that class ceiling. So she actually joined a special branch of the Ministry of Defense in the UK. She was really frustrated that the U.S. wasn't entering this war. She had actually spent some time um, posted to uh, Venice and Paris while she was the secretary for the State Department. And it really hurt her to see those countries 
getting invaded by Nazi Germany and really frustrated her to see her home country, the U.S., uh, refusing to get involved. And so since they wouldn't allow her to really get involved, she pretty much just kind of backdoored them and went to the U.K. Great Britain was involved. Um, They had the Ministry of Defense. They had a whole bunch of special branches. And so she joined one branch that trained her in espionage, spycraft, uh, and sent her uh, in deep cover to uh, Lyons, France, and helped. Uh, she helped train resistance fighters and build the resistance movement and effort in France during World War II. So sweet. I won't tell you. Yeah, it's really, I won't tell you a whole lot more. It's a really interesting read, uh, entertaining read. I actually wish there was just a little bit more detail because it is so cool. It's that spycraft stuff, and I really wish they could. If, if there had been a journal written by Virginia Hall, if they could have quoted from that journal. But obviously, a good spy doesn't keep a journal. It never existed. Yeah. And that was actually something that I ended up appreciating about the story was that Virginia had excellent tradecraft. She was really good at what she did. She was a good spy. And it was really gratifying to read a story about a competent, accomplished female spy who really was at the center of a major movement in a world war. So... That is A Woman of No Importance, is the title of the book. Um, And I will also mention quickly that one of the other Bellis Ed book reviews I did was on a similar topic. Elizabeth Friedman, who was a female codebreaker for many years during uh, what turned out to be the U.S.'s early cryptography efforts. She was pretty much the mother of U.S. cryptography, and actually her husband was, we would kind of consider him the father of U.S. cryptography. Uh, She was there from the beginning, even before the OSS existed. But then she moved from the OSS into, I'm not sure if she went straight into the CIA or if she went from the OSS straight into the NSA. Um, And she was critical even to anti-narcotic trafficking operations with the FBI in her later years. Um, So check out the book review on our website for more on that book, The Woman Who Smashed Codes by Jason Fagone. So those are my two history nonfiction recommendations. Super cool. Okay, I'm then also going to jump right into our second to last category, which is the fiction slash fun category. And it's this is kind of my guilty pleasure category. When I need to take a break from nonfiction books I'm working on or a self-improvement book that really requires a lot of attention and focus, I will always pick up something from this category. Mm-hmm. It's also a category where probably 80% of my previous reading has been in this category, and probably 75% of my future reads are in this category. A lot of Dickens, Austin, Bronte, almost exclusively nothing published after I was born. And then my addition in this category over the last year or so has been a lot of Agatha Christie, the queen of crime. Indeed. a lot of fun. Uh, And I actually got turned on to her because you remember there was the uh, Kenneth Branagh movie, Murder in the Orient Express. He's fantastic in everything. So when I found out that he was playing in Murder in the Orient Express, I decided that I wanted to read the book before I saw the movie. You know, The Count of Monte Cristo with... Jim Caviezel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now that's a fun movie. I do enjoy that movie. It is nothing like the book. The book is really good. The movie is really enjoyable. They don't have to be exactly alike for, for sure. them to both be enjoyable. And so that's kind of my caveat about Murder on the Orient Express. It's like it's still an enjoyable movie, but like if you expect for it to be a word for word representation of the book, you will be disappointed, but that doesn't make it a bad movie. Yeah. 
Actually, the book that I finished most recently from Christie is another good movie recommendation. It's an Amazon Prime feature, and it's called The ABC Murders, and it's got uh, John Malkovich in it. John Malkovich plays Hercule Poirot. So entertaining, but not exactly the same as the book. Christie is maybe, <laughs> it's definitely not the most intense reading I do, but it's usually pretty entertaining. Uh, and it's kind of fun to transition from that into, you know, some screen time, because not everybody, as, as I discovered from my conversation with my husband, my crucial conversation with my husband last night, <laughs> uh, not everybody values book reading time the same. My recommendation here is much less sophisticated than Julie's. It's, I don't know if it's quite qualifies as trashy. I'm not going to say, I'm not <laughs> going to say that. But anyways, I recently read Bringing Down the House by Ben Metz. Metzrich? Ben Metzrich. Anyways, published by Free Press. It is about the MIT blackjack teams who made oh, millions yeah. at Vegas and Atlantic City and other casinos. There's another good, another good movie tie-in. There are a bunch of movies based off of yes. that story. Yes, there is. Uh, 21, I think, is the uh-huh. is the movie that was most... Uh, who's the actor in that one? Uh, I can see him in my... Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, Kevin Spacey. Yep. Anyway, so that's a movie. I haven't seen the movie. But I read the book, and yeah, it's about that they took Vegas for millions, you know, and other places <laughs> uh, by card by card counting and using team play. And so it's actually neat, right? It's not it's not cheating because they are using math and they are paying attention to the way the decks go and they're tracking how many crappy cards came out and how many, you know, so how many good cards are coming in and how how do they are to have a good run? And they use you know small teams of players to to do that. Anyways, it's not going to turn you into a card counter. I don't encourage lots of gambling, uh, but it was <laughs> it was it was a fun, easy read, and it was some intriguing drama uh, to just hmm. feed a little bit of that kind of fun, no yeah. bra- no brainer, no thinking, no yeah. thinking type reading. So bringing down the house doesn't that technically qualify as nonfiction? It might, but it was fun. Okay, all right. Uh, do children's books? All right, children's books. Yep. Okay, so the next category is kids' books. So if you have kids, uh, or even if you don't, maybe you're looking for something to send to a friend or relative during these, you know, quarantine months or summer months where there's not necessarily going to be a lot open. Out of the gate, I'm going to recommend the Nat Geo Little Kids uh. First Big Books. So uh-huh. First Big Book of Space. We've got like four of them. Yeah. First Big Book of Dinosaurs. First Big Book dinosaurs. of Y. Oh, we've got Y. We've got those three too. We've got Dinosaurs, Space, and Y. And I think then they come the- in a package. Uh, we didn't buy them set. in a package. I got a three-box set. Anyway, and what was the fourth one? I don't remember. Or was it just those three? No, I have four, but I don't remember what the fourth one is. Animals. First big book of animals. Yeah, we have something that's got like a pop-out life-size outline of different wild animals. Like there's a wolf, there's a dolphin, there's a panda bear, blah, blah, blah. My kids have read through it so many times that they've actually like torn the pop-outs. So when you open the page, like the dolphin just kind of flops. <laughs> he doesn't pop. Um, he poor flops. dolphin. Nat Geo little kids. Uh, they're awesome. They provide enough detail to be useful from kind of pre-K, to, you know, toddlerish age. All the way through, I think, elementary school. I think, you know, several years down the road, my, my son's still going to be using these. So mm-hmm. uh, I recommend those. And for littler kids, you know, who just want a good story, highly recommend Chronicle Books' The Good Night, Good Night Construction Site. The, it's actually a three-book series. So there's another book called, um, I don't know, it's about the team. I don't remember the name. Uh, yeah, and then uh-huh. there's one about yeah. a little kid. It's like the, the kid um, construction. Anyways, three-book series. Uh, and then uh, Sherry Dusky Rinker, who's the author, she wrote mm. another really good book called Steam Train, Dream Train. I also love that one. Uh, her illustrator, uh, Tom Lichtenheld, uh, he just, mm-hmm. hey, man, they're fascinating. They're, they're I, love pretty, his, yeah. I love his drawings. Yeah. 
little segue, steam train, dream train, makes me a little sad. Um, you remember just very recently when we had that idea like, oh, hey, let's do one of those TikTok videos where we splice together moms who yeah. are also military members. And then it turns out like two days later, somebody had already done that. I'm like, nuts. And it kind of feels like that is the story of my life. Like I get these really great ideas and I just don't action on them fast enough. Or sometimes it's even like so immediate that I feel like somebody is listening to me, like there's just a camera following me around, listening to my all my good ideas, and then they immediately steal them. So a couple like straight years out ago, of, straight out of what women want. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so I had an, an idea like oh, three years ago that I was gonna. Do you remember Owl Moon? Do you know Owl Moon, which is actually one of my favorite kids' books? Yeah, I do. Owl Moon is so fantastic. And the way it's written. Anyway, so I had this idea. That was one of my favorite books to read with my dad. It has like a lot of sentimental value to me. And I wanted to write a book like that for my kids about something. Because I've tried to read them Owl Moon and they're just not quite old enough, but they love trains. And I thought, ooh, if I could do like an Owl Moon version of trains, and it sounds a lot like Steam Train, Dream Train. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm glad that that product is out there. But on the other hand, I'm a little sad that I didn't do it. Uh, But the kids' book category is actually kind of tough for me. I mean, Owl Moon is great. One of the difficulties for children's books is that there are a lot of them out there, and there are new ones published all the time. Like, everybody thinks that they can be a children's book author. And probably everybody can, because let's be honest. Kids like everything. Yeah. And we don't buy new books frequently. Like, I have seen your books. You definitely have more books than we do. But we also don't keep a lot of hard books. If it's not something that I'm going to read again, I probably am not going to buy a hard copy. And so if it's a book that I'm not sure the kids are going to love, I probably won't buy it. I might rent it from the library and see if we do actually love it. And so for that reason, we really don't bring a lot of new kids' books into the home. We have shelves and Kaylin will bring back the same book over the and, same over book. and over well, and over and over and over. Well, you know, there's a reason. You've told me that there's a reason for that. This goes back to your... A development textbook that when they're kids, they just want that that predictability. They want stability. They want yep. the same thing over and over again because it gives them predictability and stability. As adults, this book makes me happy, and so why would I mess with that? <laughs> right? Because mom's going crazy, <laughs> and that will threaten <laughs> your stability. There is it's actually a whole series, the Maker Lab series, but in particular, we have the Star Wars Maker Lab book. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I recommend it because probably more than any other book we have for the kids, this book led to activities beyond reading. More than just the reading, there was the science and the hands-on stuff. It actually involved us as parents more than just sitting on a couch with a child in a book. So my kids and their dad built the Ewok catapult. Um, They did the Orb of Light from Naboo in episode one. And I was super excited looking through the book and seeing some of these neat projects. Uh, And like I said, there are a whole series of these and most of them involve STEM activities. So it's pretty good stuff for parents that are teaching from home or who are looking for new activities to keep their kids occupied during long hours. So the Star Wars Maker Lab book, but really anything from that Maker's Lab series is good. Nice. And then just really quickly, I'm going to talk about what we're reading now, and maybe we'll talk about what we're reading next. I'm slogging my way through 100 Years of Solitude on Audible, which is not a book that I would probably ever sit down and devote non-multitasking time to, so an audiobook. It sounds oddly like coronavirus. 
A hundred yeah. years of solitude. So anyway, solitude. keep going. Yeah, that's good. That's true. That's true. I have been working for about four years on a book that is super relevant to professional life, but is not gripping, <laughs> called Why Geography Matters Now More Than Ever. Uh, and it's written by, gosh, I think he's Swedish. And so his, I'm not going to butcher his last name. I'm going to spell it H-A-R-M. This is his first name. And his last name is two words, D-E. And the second word is B-L-I-J. And so like in my mind, I want to pronounce it harm de blige, but I, <laughs> I don't write. That's possibly the correct answer. More phlegm in there. Um, and that book was actually given to me by a commander of mine several assignments ago. He was a patch, a school grad, really brainy type. Uh, and geography is an important topic and it has actually become more relevant, but that book has kind of dragged on because it's a little bit like a textbook and not everything I think is as relevant as everything else. I'm also working on a concise history of Germany by Mary Fromweiler. It's sitting on my nightstand, kind of like my stack of never-ending books on my nightstand. <laughs> uh, but it is such a concise history that I usually have two or three Wikipedia tabs open on my phone for related topics as I read through the book. And then I have a hard copy of Malcolm Gladwell's What the Dog Saw sitting around for when I need to give my brain a break, but I don't want to sink into the hole of social media. Um, and so I usually have somewhere between four and six books that I'm kind of working through at the same time that are just like not my priority. Someday I will do this. I don't know that I'm actually actively working on more than one book at any particular time, but on the bedside table in my house, first there's the PMBOK for the uninitiated. That is the program uh, management body of knowledge. Oh my yep, gosh. it's a textbook. It's huge, and I'm studying, self-studying for the PMP exam. It's not. It's not actually there. I don't actually have the physical book. I have the ebook, and that's painful enough. <laughs> but, but that is on the list of things I'm currently reading. In air quotes, uh, I have a see it and say it in Spanish book on my bedside table because I'm always trying to improve my skills at conversing natively with our au pair. What's your guys' split in language? Is she like 75% English and you're 25% Spanish? Like, how do you, how much of your conversation is each other's language? She's fluent in English for sure. I don't, I mean, she has an accent, but I mean, she's, she's fluent. There's, there's very, Little that she doesn't understand, if it, and if it's a word that's unfamiliar, she just asks, like, "Hey, can you tell me don't tell me what that word means?" And I would say I am terrible at Spanish. <laughs> so most of the time we're conversing in English, but when I foray into Spanish, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. And so I'm trying to, yeah, whatever. Over the course of the you know past year and a half to almost two years that we've had her with our family. I just, I, I continue to want to get better at that. So I would say the percentage of conversations is probably like 90% English and maybe 10% Spanish hmm. because it, like I said, I'm just terrible and it's embarrassing, but, but we do try. We do make an effort. Um, and the book that I'm kind of, kind of currently reading uh, more so than the others is called Small Miracles of the Holocaust. It's a collection of short, super short, oh. easy stories that are like coincidences of survival and hope during like the genocide of World War II. So the prospect is certainly heart-wrenching and there certainly are personal illustrations of time during concentration camps and captivity and whatnot, but it's not graphic yeah. uh, in any way. And ultimately each short story ends up shedding some light on some kind of coincidence or small thing that made a difference and then like this resolution or this change or this something later it's fun it's uplifting even though it's you know it's a difficult subject and it's it's just a light 
thing when I need a you know a break or a like I said a, a lift kind of on my currently reading list. Hmm. What are you reading next? I have been really excited to start a book called Codename Lisa. I have been seeing little snippets of the story here and there, but I don't really know the whole story. It's the next book in my installment of Women Who Changed History series, kind of in the same theme as the Elizabeth Friedman book, The Woman Who Smashed Codes, and then A Woman of No Importance about Virginia Hall. So that'll probably be my next non-fiction slash historical narrative category book. In the fiction category is Robert Heinlein's The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. And of course, I really liked his Starship Troopers. Another segue into how books and movies can be different. Starship Troopers, the movie is, you know, maybe not one of my favorites, but it's entertaining. The book is fantastic. And so Robert Heinlein, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. I'm kind of intrigued. I'd like to see if that's good too. What's it about? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Yeah. So <laughs> Moving on. Uh, and then in the self-improvement category, my husband is not, as I said, an avid reader. If he recommends it, it must have been impactful. It's a significant recommendation. And so he recommended The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And in the leadership category, I've kind of been thinking about picking up Gary Sinise's Grateful American, but uh, I think we've kind of un- revealed that I have more books going at any one time than I, I can really manage. So maybe I need to, maybe I have a problem. Maybe I should stop. No, I don't think so. I think that's, again, that's why you're an avid reader. I'm not really sure on what I'm going to read next. On, as you mentioned at the outset, you know, Julie's the, the one who kind of devours books. I'm probably going to be doing more of some of the homeschool for dummies stuff. Mm, there's There's no easy answer to that. There isn't. But I'll continue to look and read stuff that suggests it. Um, <laughs> professional IT books. Oh my gosh, you're um, killing me. The Dragon Masters series, Ooh. which is what my son is currently into. They're, they're kind of corny. Oh. So wait, you're saying that you will read those because you have to read them to him. Yes, yes. <laughs> Got um, it. And the smattering of other books that pop up. Oh, wait, I do know what I'm going to read next. August okay. 4th, Stephanie Meyer. Midnight Sun. It is the Edward Cullen perspective on Twilight. Oh my gosh, are you serious? You can, you, and, and every, every <sighs> single listener, you can be totally embarrassed by my recommendation. I'm totally reading it and I'm, I'm going to wear my like Team Edward t-shirt from <laughs> circa 2008, you know, or whatever. I'm totally reading that. So that is definitely oh what I will read next list. But beyond that, I'd really like to read a book called Range by David Epstein. The premise is like why generalists succeed in a specialized world. Um, it's, it's to do with education, and it attempts to debunk the mantra of start early, specialize quickly, stay focused, right? Like we, we tell our kids, hey, you want to be good at this or you want to do something. So, you know, we were told as kids, maybe you want to do this professionally, you want to do this in college, like you need to kind of focus in on that sport or that um, instrument yeah. or that whatever that you're going to be good at. And you need to do that by about yeah. seven or eight. Yeah, and then you you're need talking to- about the... The 10,000 hours rule that, you know, to really get good and proficient at something, you have to spend 10,000 hours on it. And obviously, the sooner you can meet that 10,000 hour goal, the sooner you'll be proficient at it. Huh. Interesting. I wonder how those two theories are going to I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they're going to go together. But it's the same guy who wrote the book called The Sports Gene, which is about like extraordinary athleticism. Hmm. Um, And it it had, you know, to do with the 10,000 hour stuff. But it's aimed at kind of debunking the idea of specialize quickly and stay focused there. And that will allow you broader, you know, long-term professional success. In fact, staying more general, putting your hands and in, in your experience in a lot of different areas before you specialize will, in fact, yield greater long-term success. 
And so, you know, there could be some applicability for that to the Air Force because in some AFSCs, we have that debate all the time. Like, well, do we want a jack of all trades, yeah. master of none, or do we want a guy like who can talk this language really, really well? And sometimes it seems like the Air Force keeps swinging back and forth on those two things. And what we end up with is a cadre of people who aren't either thing because they keep jump, they keep getting jerked back and forth between these two schools of thought. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out in the professional realm. I'm, I'm interested in reading that. It's in my Amazon cart, but I'm holding out. I'm holding out because I want to try and buy it from a local store. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that rounds it out. Yeah. That rounds out our recommendations. If you have any book recommendations that you would like to share, going back to what I said earlier that, you know, sometimes you just don't know to, what to be looking for and hearing what other people are reading kind of gives you some new ideas. We would like to share those ideas with the rest of the community as well. You can post on our social sites. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I've done a couple of Bellis Ed book reviews. If you have a book that you would like to recommend and you are willing to write a tiny little review of it, you could be a guest contributor on our website which is sometimes a blog, <laughs> hard to say. In any event, we hope that the recommendations that we've given you will give you some good ideas for your own summer reading list. Let us know what you think of any of the ones that we've read. If you've read any of the ones that we've recommended, or if you have read some of the ones that we think we're going to read, and you're like, oh yeah, that was totally worth your time. We'd be excited to hear that. Or if you think it was terrible. If you think any of the books yeah. I've listed about I'm going to read are terrible, please let me know <gasps> please ahead of time. Please save so me that, my yeah. time. Uh, in the oh. meantime, uh, it'll be not that when we post, but uh, happy Mother's Day to any, all of you mothers and all mm -hmm. of you who have mothers. You know, wish your mother a happy Thank Mother's Day. Thank you for life. Yep. Let us to the battle. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. You can find notes or resources related to this topic on our social media community. Check us out, like, follow, or subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bellis at Bellum. Join us for our next episode, and in the meantime, let us to the battle. We take great care to seek out subject matter experts who are knowledgeable and experienced in their fields to be guests. However, everyone's military experience is unique, and the views of our guests and our hosts do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, view, or policy. Content is provided for informational purposes only, and we make no claim as representation of official sources.